Okay, Mark. So now is it, you, you've got to tell us what is it that you're doing with your Grenache that uh, turns so many heads? Uh, I think I think it really starts in the vineyard. The um, the age of the vines that we're taking the fruit from uh, one of your well, some of the original plantings in South Australia. So the uh, we're we're still trying to date it back to when they were first planted. So we we sort of pinned it around 120 years old. For, for the one of the vineyards we take um, for for majority of our products, but um, we are experimenting with some younger vines as well. So it's um, it's really the fruit quality. Um, sure. The the processes we use, we do take a lot of time and care to get the best out of the fruit, um, and our our winery setup um, allows us to do that. Right. So essentially, it's an old vine Grenache. That's that's what we would have been yeah. tasting. Yeah, and they, they are amazing. So I mean, 120 years old. That's pretty impressive. And this is your small batch range. Uh, we with the limited series, we we have a few different Grenaches. So we, mm. we're trying to sort of hit the market with some different styles of Grenache and just show the full range and spectrum of the variety. Um, it's so versatile in that, and that's why we love it mm. so much. Yeah. Um, from the McLaren Valley region, it's just um, it's one of those varieties where we could really be proud of from from McLaren Vale. So um, I know traditionally Shiraz is sort of the the go to for McLaren Vale, but um, I think Grenache is uh, especially internationally and uh, even domestically in the market. Everyone ooh, like their ears prick up when they they hear McLaren Vale Grenache now. So. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of the flagship. It has been over the last few years, hasn't it? Um, I'm a massive Grenache uh, lover and drinker, and I'm just finding that when I do when I do hear McLaren Vale, exactly as you just said, I, my ears do prick up, and I'm like, oh, okay, must try. So, so you mentioned you've got a few different Grenache, and uh, you know you're exploring you know very diff- different styles of them. Can you explain the different styles to us? Yeah. So. Um... We released uh, the first vintage last year in 2021, uh, our early release Grenache. Um, that mm-hmm. is more of a very vibrant, um, quick turnaround style. Um, more the, I guess, if you call hipster wine style um, for the, say, a younger demographic. Um, and we got some really good reviews and um, good feedback from that style. So it's, um, it's more, say, uh, I guess the yeah, more vibrant fruit, no oak at all. Mm. Um, it hits bottle within six months of being produced, mm. um, and it just shows those fruit quality uh, like characteristics of Grenache. Um, it just yeah, sort of flies the flag for that vibrant fruit. Um, and then we've got so uh, Mark, would yes. we the layman? That's what I'm here for, I think. Talk about uh, what the layman would, would call it. Would maybe be called ready to drink. Yeah, so yeah. like that, That's what we call it. Drink so now. Traditional. Drink now. Yeah, or drink now. So yeah. the, the drink now is uh, what you've expanded into because you were traditionally known as the, the Grenache guys doing it old style, weren't you? Mm. Yeah. Well, our, um we probably started our first, I think it was 2012 was our first sort of traditional Grenache for a while. Um, 
And that was the other end of the spectrum, where it was super heavy, um, full-bodied, and we still do that uh, under the limited series style. Um, so more appeased to, say, a traditional Shiraz drinker um, than, say, the new, uh, say, like, new wine drinker that is approaching red wine, which mm -hmm. the early release would be perfect for, just to slowly introduce... Um, New, new wine drinkers. Sure. Um, it, it, can I say, it's actually very interesting, exactly what you were just saying, and the fact that you mentioned Shiraz, because that's what was going in my mind. It feels like, you know, only a couple of years ago, Grenache was, you know, people were loving their GSMs, still are, obviously, because they're amazing, but they're loving their 100% Grenache. But it still very much seemed like Grenache was a varietal that was, that that's how it tasted. It was like, it just tastes like that, that Grenache. Whereas, a Shiraz, you know, there are so many different types. You've got the spicy type, you've got, you know, you've got the Margaret Rivers, you've got the, uh, the the New South Wales, then you've got the big, bold Barossan. They're all extremely different. And now Grenache, it seems to be following down that same sort of path where people are becoming so much more aware and au fait with Grenache. They've drunk enough of it to know the different styles of it. So as you say, you know, six months to bottle the drink now, um, wine as opposed to the old vine, 120 year old that uh, that has you know a bit, bit more bit more power behind it. It's really just people will now be able to walk into a bottle shop or walk into a cellar door and say, "What style is your Grenache?" Because I prefer something with a little oak or something that's a bit more you know versatile, food friendly. So it's quite fun to see that trend happening. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think most wine styles, uh, wine varieties, sorry, are seeing that change to more of a European everyday wine. Mm, um, yeah. And it just, it, the diversity now, like the we're spoiled for choice. So yeah. having that, like it's very hard for, say, a, a wine store to carry so many wines that sort of covers all bases. But that's, uh, I guess, the world we live in at the moment. So giving that choice is is great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think, I mean, we speak about this quite often on the show and it is, uh, you know, for lack of better terminology, it's the new and the old world style. So the, you know, it's the new world, Australia, the old world, the European kind of French style, um, less oak, slightly more, maybe slightly more approachable. Um, uh, what's your, do you have a favourite? Yeah. Uh, uh... Not, not really. Um, I think just as a whole, I, I enjoy both styles. Um, if I was to pick which one is more like seeing the trends, how how it's sort of panning out, um, I still think the traditional style, the bigger, bolder style, has a huge following, mm. and I think it's due to Grenache still being quite young in the market domestically. I'm saying, yeah. so. I think as the market evolves, you'll see more and more people try the newer style. Um, sure. But generally, um, the older style is still the most most popular. Sure. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Well, I would have to say I've been influenced by Mark because his uh, old style Grenache was um, always my favourite. Mm. And um, being a Pinot drinker and growing up in McLaren Vale, being teased for having no palate when I, when I grow up, I'll, you know, it'll age and I'll, I'll like the Shirazes and Cab Serves, but it never did. So um, as the Grenache styles have got lighter, more ready to drink, I've actually started enjoying them more, but I always go back to comparing them to, to Mark's 
original style, I call it, the traditional style. Yeah. And um, now that he's released his small batch, and I was lucky enough to do a, um, I called it a Grenache masterclass with him on camera, where we went through all the different styles, and he made me eat what what was uh, the flavour profiles. The tobacco and the uh, star anise didn't go down that well, but... Um, <laughs> We, we went through the new style compared to the old style, and, and it really taught me um, the difference between the two. So my analogy on it is you can drink Grenache all the time now, no matter what. <laughs> if, if I, I think that was always going to be the end result for you, Nathan, but it really just was, was proof in the pudding for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, in front of the fire when it's uh, freezing cold, nice traditional, you know, and then uh, down the beach uh, pretty soon, I reckon you'll be able to get a nice new new Grenache in a can out straight out of the mm. esky, slightly chilled. Mm. You know, things are changing a lot in the things wine are industry. I think uh, there's one, one person who's really benefiting from it all beside myself would be um, the consumer. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Better, has there been a better time ever to be a wine drinker? With the price of wine, the quality of wine, the choice we've got, we're so spoiled. And um, credit goes to all the winemakers out there and all the wineries that are supplying such great wine. And um, unfortunately for them, I think things are going to get cheaper and cheaper for the consumer. And mm. uh, we're the ones who are going to benefit. We're going to be drinking wines that we wish we could have afforded once upon a time. Yeah, sure. Oh, look, it just means we have to drink more and more of it so that they can end up benefiting the winemaker themselves. Hey, Mark? Definitely. <laughs> drink more, drink more Grenache. <laughs> Look, it, it, it is a very, you know, it's it's a changing environment and uh, consumer behaviours are, are, are certainly, you know, we, we just, we want the now and different and we want sustainable, but we want affordable and we, we want it all. And um, and, the, and the weirdest thing about this, this, this age is that we can have it all. So you're right, it, it is a consumer's dream. But I guess it also, that's, it, that doesn't really take away from the winemaker's experience, really, in the sense that it must be, and Mark, tell me if I'm completely wrong because I'm obviously not a winemaker, but the knowledge that the audience is ever-evolving, they're so dynamic and so diverse. No matter what you're going to be making, you're, you're, you're hitting a really good audience out there. And through the use of social, you can actually, you know, really get to them by, you know, like Nathan's YouTube or through Instagram, whatever it is. So you can get your message out there. And um, I can only imagine that that does help a little bit. You know, it's it's no longer just there are two styles or there are two types of drinkers. You know, there was the Chardonnay lover and there was the ABC and that's it. You know, now that's it's it's so diverse. So, I don't know, Mark, you could cut me down or you could be really nice no, and you, say, yeah, Jill. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly right. It's, it, I guess we're, we're in a world now where everything is to spark interest. So we mm. try to push the envelope on pretty much everything we do so like if we can find um new and wonderful ways to make um interesting styles um just to spark consumers interest because they are exposed to everything now like really it's hard to be surprised by anything now so trying to just evolve as quickly as the market is is quite difficult but we've always got uh, new new technologies, new equipment, new new perspectives on on the the varieties that we make. Um, we always collaborate with other winemakers. Like I always get other winemakers, friends of mine, 
um, to come have a look, um, come have a taste. Um, what do you reckon about this? So we're trying some new bits and pieces. Um, just an example, we're, we're playing around with a Shiraz Blanc at the moment. So it's in its ah. infancy at the moment. So we're like, uh, how, how are we going to sort of pitch that? Um, uh, we've had some really interesting trials. Um, but, yeah, so it's just stuff like that. So that, that's quite fascinating. Shiraz Blanc, have not heard of it before, but yeah, um, having Sarah Crow uh, on not long ago talking about the Grenache Blanc. And yes. I do believe that Sharkies has just put out a Grenache Blanc as well. And, um, and you know, you're hearing these Pinot Blancs. So all of a yeah. sudden you're getting these, you know, like, like mutations and they are, yeah. I, I'm, I'm yet to actually try them and I can't wait to. Have you tried uh, any of these other... Yeah, I tried a Grenache Blanc the other day. Um, it was very interesting. It was more a uh, towards the Chardonnay spec, like interesting, um, right? I'll probably because I thought it. it would be like a lighter white, but it's actually yes. quite a plush, round, um, more fuller-bodied white wine, right? Um, okay, and more that uh, green sort of apple citrusy. Um, uh, um, characters. Yeah, so, yeah, lovely. So maybe like a bit of Viognier sort of style. Yeah, it's getting yeah, a bit more yeah. of that. So that's because I, I like you. Yeah. I would have sort of thought it was it would earn more on the lighter side as well. But yeah. that's very interesting. Okay, Nathan, you've got something to say. I was just wondering whether there was going to be a Curtis Family Vineyards Grenache Blanc. Uh, I think so. Ho hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, there's not many vineyards around at the moment so yeah. it is slowly coming into the fold so um it's it's a very rare variety in australia at the moment yeah it is and look i'm sorry i did hijack that let's go back to the shiraz blanc because i'm yes. very intrigued can yeah. you tell us about that walk us through what that is because i've never heard yeah, of that so one. We, uh, basically just mclaren Val shiraz that we picked super early um and made it like a white wine style pressed mm. straight away um we try to get minimise colour so it's clear, super clear. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we're getting nice sort of round citrus flavours through it. Um, but, yeah, we're still tinkering with the the way we will blend it to get the aromatics that we want um, sure. and the balance correct because it's very hard, especially with Shiraz, because it's such a high alcohol wine to, to suppress that, to make it a nice balanced um, uh, white wine. Um with um, without anything sort of poking its head. So um, with higher alcohol, it's very hard to, because there's no, uh, like a red wine, there's there's no, say, body or structure to mask the alcohol. So yeah. trying to balance yeah. it out is going to be tricky. And to a certain extent, you, you want to you want to be able to utilise the grape for what it is. And, you know, we yes. love Shiraz for what it is. And, yes, it is a high alcohol grape. So I guess, yeah, that, that will be very, um, I guess, a little bit of science involved there, but uh, a, quite a tricky process. When it comes to the colour, is the colour going to end up being, you know, that, that sort of like that that lovely Pinot Gris that it's kind of like it's not a Blanc, it's got it's urging on that... That, that little bit of slight pink hue coming in, is that the sort of colour we'll see? Yeah, you'll see a slight tint to it. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah, you'll see that. And, okay, and explain us, uh, you probably don't even know yet, what flavours are you expecting it to be like? 
Um, we're getting, um, just just with some of the yeast strains we're using, um, we're getting a lot of lime character come out. Right. Which is bizarre. Um, it's uh, almost um, compared to, like, margarita. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm a big mug. If I'm not drinking wine, I'm drinking margaritas, believe me. <laughs> there's, your, there's your marketing ploy. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a great one. <laughs> yeah. So it's super interesting, and um, the people I've shown uh, trials to, they're the same thing. Their ears prick up, Shiraz Blanc, and they're like, "Oh, okay, we gotta, we gotta try that." Fascinating. And you will, so you'll try and bring down the alcohol content a bit when you are when people are producing these Grenache Blancs, these now Shiraz Blancs, Pinot Blancs. I'm assuming that the alcohol content is a bit less. Are we, are we sitting around that 12.5%? Is that what we're going to be seeing? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. try to aim for that. Yeah. Right. So it's that great daytime drinking, great lunchtime. Now, food-wise, you know, I, I'm I'm also kind of at okay, I've got a lot of expectations here, but I'm expecting it, the food versatility to really be there as well because you're getting quite different dominating grapes. But if they're being blended well together, then you're going to see some beautiful food wines. Definitely, yeah. You because it uh, it'll be fairly high acid too. Yes. Um, you'll yeah. It's 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 a, a great food wine. Um, it's one of those wines that just stimulates your senses, and you just want to keep consuming. So. Yeah, and that's what you want. There's your marketing message right there. Yeah. So look, let's let's just touch on some of your other wines as well. And Nathan, I'd I'd love maybe you to lead this uh, because we've already spoken about your beautiful Queen of Hearts Rosé, which was stunning. Uh, we've spoken about your Grenache. Let's talk about your Giraffe. I know you've got a Grenache Shiraz, but yeah, let's let's talk about the Giraffe. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? Um, oh, I actually haven't tasted the Giraffe yet i've uh, been saving it for a special occasion and it's pretty much brand new as well isn't it Mark? it is yeah 2021 2021 um yep. similar uh, very similarly like to the early release grenache um the Giraffe has seen no oak at all um mm -hmm. and very quick turnaround um to bottle so six months um from finished ferment into bottle um just locks in all that vibrant fruit um so Giraffe is petite shiraz so it's yep. a the little brother of shiraz so mm. it's got that great color um very deep sort of purple color um but it's very aromatic as well so and it's got a mid to light body to it but it, yes. it sort of delivers all that fruit that shiraz does without the punch yes it's, it's quite a subtle sort of mellow palette so very approachable i actually Slucky. see sorry nathan please go like he made it just for me <laughs> the pinot drinker yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. i actually think that there's a um i mean look I, i've been drinking Giraffe for years i do love it um my first Giraffe i ever had was a peterson's and i i think anyone on the show would know that i'm a massive and just nodding head I, I love my peterson wines and they do a magnificent Giraffe. i can only see Giraffe becoming more and more because exactly as you say not that many people would know that Giraffe is actually it's like that it's like the little cousin to shiraz so if you're a shiraz fan it's almost like it's just a different style of shiraz and to your point you know it's a slightly less alcohol alcohol, it's not quite as full-bodied, more aromatic. That sort of wine is what people are going to. So I would only expect to see more and more of them um, in the marketplace. Definitely, yeah. 
It's definitely and, that trend coming through. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, you know, if I do go into a Dan Murphy's or something like that, I can't imagine that there's going to be a big selection of them. Uh, Could be wrong. But I, I haven't seen many. I mm. haven't seen many, and that's that's sort of why we push down that path where we're like point of difference, get um, sparking interest again to the consumer, because um, mm. most people like general general wine drinkers. When you speak to them about Jurif, they don't actually know the variety, and you go, well, it's it's a, a blend, uh, it's a clone of a ancient variety and Shiraz together, and it spits out this little beauty of uh, yeah, petite Shiraz. Now, would you actually put it down? I mean, you know, Shiraz is very much, you know, pe people do believe you should be putting it down 10, maybe 20 years. Is Jurif similar? It It is. Um, so it's very similar to Grenache. You can you can go either way. So it's, it, they're quite dramatic differences. So mm -hmm. if, um, and I was actually going to do a portion in, in oak as well, but it goes, it goes very heavy and, um, that traditional style as well. So, but that fruit vibrancy sort of wears away when when you go down that path. Sure, uh, like like Grenache. I mean, I, I would guess I would say Grenache is again not a winemaker, but it's probably more on the low maintenance side of grape growing as opposed to to many. Um, would Jurif be similar? Yeah, yeah. So Grenache has a like on the vine um, can be a bit tricky due to weather. And we're sort of coming through that at the moment because we're having a lot of rain. Um, yes. So there could be, because it is a later variety that we pick it, um, it's the last variety we pick here in McLarenville. Um, so you can have issues with botrytis or mildew, downy mildew, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to be very proactive um, to look after the fruit and the vine um, ecosystem there. Um, so with humidity late in the season um, can be disastrous. So it's it's one of those tricky, um, yeah, it, logistically tricky. Right, so not not pick. so low maintenance at all is what you're no, saying in a very diplomatic way. Dry years, are, it's amazing. You can right. you can let it let it hang and let it let it let it do its thing in the vineyard but um just due to the nature of because it's held so long in the vintage mm. yeah you can have some issues where shiraz shiraz <laughs> is very easy and jurif very easy yes so i guess okay. um you just mentioned the magic word when you think of curtis as well um he has got some of the most amazing shiraz and he's top of it top of the line Shiraz. I'm just hinting in case, uh, you know, he might drop me a bottle off, but uh, his top <laughs> of the range Shiraz um, is really what put you on the map, would you say, back in the day? Yeah, the definitely. Grenache. Yeah. So let, let's talk about uh, um, Curtis's Shiraz just quickly. Please. Yeah, so majority of it's from 80-year-old um, vines and it's it's similar philosophy and we 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 spend a lot of time trying to extract the the goodies in the skin of the the grape um and that's sort of our our secret recipe um just having time time with the fruit so yeah. minimum uh from <laughs> say start to finish minimum we have about a month in ferment so 
for tr more traditional wineries, um, you're probably looking at, say, a seven-day turnaround, mm -hmm. and we're, we're going that extra. So very slow extraction, um, letting the fruit sort of do its thing. Um, and what happens is those flavours integrate and mellow as they go along. They have time. It's not rushed. It's not overheated. Um, so we, we do a lot of cold soaking with um, without inoculating till we're, we're happy. Yeah. Um, so you get that really slow extraction of colour for one, mm. um, but also those um, nice soft tannins and and the character, the fruit characteristics in, in flavour coming out nice integration, and then sitting sitting in barrel for minimum two years. So right, yeah. So you have, uh, you've got quite a few different ranges and this particular Chiraz, what range does this one fit into? Uh, this would be our top end. So we, we have, um, all of our Shiraz uh, are made the same. So it's just depending on sub-regional. So we mm -hmm. take a lot of fruit from, um, say, close to the coast at Selix. Yep. So you have sandier soil and it ripens quicker. <laughs> So the characteristic from that all the way up to Bluet Springs, where mm. you get, say, more red fruit characters at Celix. Yep. And then if you go all the way up to Bluet Springs where it's colder and it takes longer to ripen, you mm. get your darker fruit characters. So we have great flexibility across all sub-regions of McLarenville. So we have, in blending-wise, we have all these different characters we can sort of draw from and then put a wine that we think is good enough for those brands um and then we try and hit that consistently over and over again so having say um our limited series um is more towards the black fruit range and then we have cavalier where we use um like say a mid-range of red red fruit and black fruit but also having american oak integration with a lot of vanilla and chocolate nuances coming through yum um so yeah so trying to um yeah trying to find a, a point of difference for each brand is tricky because you're using the same variety from the same areas Area. but mm. sub-regional they are quite different and I'm sure you're also applying just a slightly different approach to the actual winemaking part of it, which is, you know, makes your job even more exciting. Uh, I love all the different names that you have. They actually, like the Lesions and the Cavaliers, and uh, it kind of stems back to, because we haven't actually touched on at all, uh, your family name and yeah. how it dates back to the noble and wealthy families of the first and second centuries AD in the Roman Empire. Uh, Curtius, right? Yes, yes. Yes. So, so uh, hmm. The like my old man is a, a historian of sorts. He loves that uh, research part of it. Um, so we've yeah we've dated our family back to the 1400s in that area in Italy. Um, my dad was born there. My mum was born here, but both are of Italian descent. Um, so yeah, our ancestors were making wine in Italy for centuries. Um, because of the the region that they were, and we still got a little vineyard still back in the hometown that um, yeah that our cousins sort of look after, but it, it's more of a hobby nice. now over there. Um, yep. So we came over, our our family came over, my grandparents came over, both both sets came over just after uh, a few years after the 
the Second World War. Um, their area where they'd live in was decimated. Um, so then they looked for a better opportunity and they came to Australia and then started um, market gardening, share farming, and then yes. went into dairy. And we still got the dairies today. Um, and then into viticulture and um, wine again. Sure. So yeah. you just mentioned, so after the um, Second World War, I mean, Phylloxera went through Europe uh, dreadfully and decimated. Is that what you were mainly pertaining to there? Uh, it's more that the battle that was coming through, um, so the, the Allies came through from, say, Sicily, and we're from the Lazio province, which is central Italy, um, a town called Monte Cassino. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know much yes. about World War II history. So Monte Cassino, there's a huge cathedral on the top of the mountain where you can, if you ever go there, you go to the top, you can see for miles and miles and miles. So it's a great uh, vantage point for artillery or just just um, intelligence um, for their for their soldiers. So um, the Americans thought that the the Nazi uh, army was sitting in there, just um, yeah. So they decimated everything close to that and the uh, and the township. So um, yeah. my grandparents at the time were 16, 17, and they had to make do in the mountains. It's quite a hilly, mountainous area. Mm. So they, they lived in caves and um, tried to survive that onslaught um, in the in the mountains there. So um, and they did and they yeah, came out of it and came to Australia. But what our grandparents and great grandparents went through it just it's absolutely mind boggling it just doesn't doesn't yeah. seem like just a complete universes away with a very, very interesting background. Will you get a chance to go back in the next few years? Uh, I, I try to venture over every four or five years. Um, I think I've got a, a wedding to go to next next year. So I'll I'll, um, I'll take the, the family over and We'll go see the uh, relatives over there. We haven't seen them for uh, since 2016 when um, we went over for another wedding. Um, so, yeah, excited to uh, see them again. Yeah, I bet. Well, look, this has been, I love a little bit of World War II history as well in there. This has been a really great interview. I, I, I really love that we gave a good breadth to uh, to your varietals and, and you've been part of a lot of information about Grenache and Jarif. Oh, and, and Shiraz Blanc, all of a sudden I'm walking away going, things, I've yeah. learned a lot before, you know, 20 past 10 in the morning. So yeah. look, both, both both of you, thank you so much for joining. Nathan, I love your little, uh, your tidbits. And um, something I will just say, Nathan's doing some very fun stuff. He did mention uh, very briefly before these 60 second wine tastings. So you need, to, you need to follow Nathan, Australian Wine Weekly, awesome YouTube channel, funny as and what he's doing is he i guess certain winemakers give him a wine and he then goes around and does these 60 second wine tastings with people with complete strangers in the street and they are funny and they're interesting and you know some people you'd be surprised at how good they are at nailing and describing what they are experiencing and uh so it's it's a bit of fun to be done and we're going to be doing it with your jurif next week mark awesome Yes, Sounds we are great. indeed. So, guys, thank you very much. We're going to let you get on with your day. What does your Sunday have uh, in front of you? So, our local footy team um, won the premiership yesterday. Congratulations. So, yeah, we're going to be... Um, Hitting it hard. A few, a few days. <laughs> yeah. So, right. 
I've already, yeah, sort of penciled Monday off. Um, and I'm, I was there last night and, yeah, um, had a bit of an early night, about one, one o'clock, pulled up stumps and then came home. So I'll, I'll see what the aftermath has at the footy club tonight, uh, today, this morning. So, yeah. Well, you're a true supporter and I have to say you've bucked up very well this morning. So enjoy. Nathan, what about you? I'm going same. So I think that's how we know each other. We played footy together. Um, so it's our club, but my young fella's got his footy prezos on as well. So we'll head down there and then um, <clears throat> I might sneak in and uh, see how well they're going this afternoon. Well, it sounds good. I'm going to let you both get on with it. And uh, thank you very much again. Um, let's keep in touch and uh, enjoy, guys. For sure. Thank you very much.